Come on and praise the Lord, somebody. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, we're in a house where there's freedom to worship. Come on, let's stand and praise the Lord. Let's stand and give him some honor. Let's stand and lift him up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I don't hear you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you all for just coming out to being a part of Christ and the church with our worship and our praise. We we thank you for just taking the time out. We thank our online viewers. We're getting ready to worship the one true and living God. Come on, let me hear you clap. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah, let's worship him. Let's magnify him. Let's praise the holy name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Our hands this morning. I want to clap a little louder than before. I want to sing a little louder than before. I want to jump higher than before. I want to shout a little louder than before. Everybody sing. No more shackles, no more shackles. 
No more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage. I am free. Yeah. One more time, everybody. No more shackles, no more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage. I am free. Yeah. Everybody lift your voice and say, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. provider. He's our redeemer. He's our helper and he's our advocate. So let's take it to God today. Let him have his way in this service and let's touch and agree. Whatever your need is today, let's pray about it now. Father, Lord Jesus, you are a helper and our advocate, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts and open our minds so that we may hear your word, Jesus. Work in this service today, Father, Lord Jesus. We pray for those that need healing, those who need a financial blessing, Father. We pray, Father, Lord Jesus, that you will push everyone over that mountain, Lord Jesus. We pray, Father. We 
pray for our families, our communities, Lord Jesus. We pray for our marriages, Father. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We pray for those that are on their way, Father. Lord Jesus, we pray for our pastor, Lord Jesus. Fill him with him. Fill him and anoint him with your spirit, Lord Jesus. We pray for his wife and his family, Lord Jesus. We pray to have your way in this service, Lord Jesus. We need you and love you. Lord Jesus, do your will and have your way.
sing I will give I will give you all my worship oh I will give I will give you all my praise for you into worship this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I deserve all the glory and all the honor this morning. Amen. We want to take this time out to welcome everyone to Christ Center Church. So glad to have everyone this morning in Christ Center Church. So glad you're here to worship the Lord with us. Truly we're serving an awesome God who is worthy to be praised. Amen. And I'm so glad that we all are a part of what God is doing in this hour. Amen. Amen. Truly, God, I have something in store for us this morning. And I pray, do hope we come with an expectation this morning for what the Lord has in store for us this morning. We thank you for coming out this morning and praising God with us. Amen. Another beautiful day that the Lord has made. And as we continue to rejoice in it, you deserve all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Our online congregation, we welcome you this morning. We pray that the Lord will continue to bless you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Amen. Just feel at liberty and worship the Lord this morning. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give the Lord another round of applause, everybody, if you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. At this time, we have uh, two videos that we're going to show. So, amen. Just uh, if you can just look at two uh, on the videos. Praise the Lord, pastors and ministers. We're hoping that you're having a wonderful banquet right now. And we hate that we can't be there. But we, greet, we give you greetings from the wonderful land of Israel. While we're here, we do want to give you a quick announcement on Winter Youth Convention that is happening on January 13th and 14th. This is going to be a big deal because it's our district's first ever 
WYC. Sister Charity has some more details. Early registration is open now for $40. The link is on our North Central Jersey Youth Ministries Instagram. So please encourage your young people, your youth pastors to be there, and we welcome everyone to attend. We want to have a great turnout and a great move of God. We're believing that God is going to move and that we are going to have a great time with it. In Jesus' name. and I'm a church planner. I'm a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church. I was raised in a godly home, got called to the ministry at age 16. And my parents, they were church planners who inspired us. We went all over the world and built churches. For years, Sister Bowens and her family had wanted to plant a church in the Owensville, Missouri area. Owensville is a small town. It only has about 2,000 people, maybe a little more in it. But the town has a lot of hungry, needing people. Uh, we have a lot of homeless here. Drug addiction in this town is high, and we have a suicide almost every week. People that need Jesus. A small work in Owensville was closing its doors and they offered their storefront for a new church plant. So we went and we started the church in the storefront. It had red carpet and yellow pews, and it was very small. But God blessed in that little building. Revival broke out, and they quickly outgrew their small building. So we, we moved into a nursing home. We stepped out by faith, and we believed that, that God was going to meet us there, and he did, but we knew we needed a building. Their young congregation joined in 21 days of prayer and fasting, asking God for a miracle. We were so frustrated. What do we do? Nam and Chris Mr. Christ had given us a loan for some land, but we couldn't get a loan to build a building. And we have people coming. We have people being filled with the Holy Ghost. God is moving, but we have no building to take them to. God laid it on my heart that if I'd call Brother Sample, that Nam would help me. Christmas for Christ would help me. So I called and I said, Brother Sample, we need a miracle. We think we can build, or we drew up a plan, and it's a 60 by 60 building with Sunday school rooms, and we think it'll last us for a while. If, if you can come and help us, we, we don't have enough money. We need 25000 Brother Sample called us back, and he said, I'm not only going to give you the $25,000, I'm going to come and build the church for you. He says, but I don't think you can do it for that, so we'll give you $35,000, and we're going to come and build it for you. We'll send in a whole crew. When I told the church, it did something 
to the people that people would love us enough that they would give us money that they believed in this little town that they believed in them enough to come and build them a church it sparked something in them it sparked revival like we've never seen here in this town it sparked a revival that unprecedented I, I can't explain what God's doing it sparked something that even while they were building the church, people were being baptized in the baptismal tank. And the men who were building it were prophesying over the building that miracle signs and wonders would come out. I remember Brother Thornton outside weeping over the church and Brother Sample praying. And even though he was sick, he gave his all for, for us. For us, he believed in us. Sam believed in us. Christmas for Christ believed in us. And they made a difference in this community. In two years, we've baptized between 100 and 120 people. God is doing miracles in this small town because Nam and Christmas Christ believed in us. In a year and a half, we had outgrown our new building that Nam and Christmas for Christ had built for us. So we're building a new sanctuary right now that we'll see between probably three and four hundred people by the time we're done as an addition onto our NAM building. God is doing miracles, signs, and wonders here all because someone believed in us. Thank you for giving to Christmas for Christ. Amen. Come on, give the Lord another round of applause. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I'm watching that video and it's bringing tears to my eyes. You know, when you, when you think about souls and the lost souls that are in our world today, no better time to give to a trustworthy foundation or something that your family can be saved. Amen. I made mention this morning in our 9 a.m. service that um, a few weeks ago we had our primary election in, uh, in our state. And uh, a billionaire, wealthy billionaire guy um, decided to spend over $100 million of his own dollars for campaigning. Two things about that. One, he did not win the election. And the second thing is, it wasn't about souls. What we're doing for Christmas for Christ, and as we see on the tree, our Christmas tree, we have a lot of cards up there. This time of the year is the time when we give our best gift to the Lord. Amen. You can take a card that worth $10,000 or a card that worth $100. Whatever you can afford to give. Be a blessing. Amen. You don't know, you know, with the time that we're living in with all the migrants and immigrants that are coming into our communities, we don't know if they're going to be with us or wherever they're going to be. But we want to make sure there will be a church where if they end up in that city or in that community, they can find a place of worship to give their heart to the Lord. Souls are dying. Souls are crying. And if we're not there, if we don't have the love for souls and have a burden or a vision to go there and win the loss at any cost, what a sense of living. So, during our offering today, you can feel free when you give your tithes and offering to come up and take an envelope off the tree, whatever it's you. Um, you know, I'll leave a little bit for Pastor to Ekwan. So, Pastor would mention the dates when it's due. 
So, um, that'd be a blessing. Amen. Amen. At this time, I'm going to ask Minister Bradley to come on up. Amen. Praise God. As we Shall we praise the Lord, everybody? Come on, can us put our hands together in the presence of the Lord. What an awesome, with an awesome atmosphere, we're here to magnify the name of Jesus. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And of course, this is a time of our worship where we give unto the Lord. And we will give out of the desire to see the work of God continue. And this is a great form of worship and a great form of exercising your faith, knowing that we are sowing into not just anything, we're sowing and investing into the kingdom of God. And of course, we understand that you have seen videos, and of course, what we are doing in this local church, where we're touching the lives of persons across Mercer County, and I believe we are going to be touching more lives where God has taken us. And we just have to continue to ask the Lord to give us wisdom, give us understanding, just like Solomon prayed when he prayed temple of God was built. He built it for the desire that God would be his presence will house in the in the nation of which he's called. And his father David desired it, but he had his son to build it. And we know that saints of God, we have been given a vision to continue and that we have this as a gift to our generations that are following, that are growing up, that are witnessing a place where they can see the continuation of the apostolic faith and the message of the apostolic word of the word of God being ministered to their generation and to generations as long as afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we just stand in the presence of God as we are going to give unto the Lord. Of course there are ways of giving those who are watching. You can also follow the information details on our YouTube and uh, options of our social media platforms, our app, our Christ in the Church app also of giving and those who are present here our envelopes are available to the ushers and of course our reach campaign which we are yet to focusing on which is to yet continue in pursuing and we are in possession of Fort Ennis Court and I'm so excited where God has taken this church if you be a blessing to the church trust me you'll be a debtor to no man and I believe that God will open this window even a window in heaven and pour you out a blessing that you may continue to be a blessing to body of believers and to the world at large. Let's pray today's blessing on this service and on this offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks for allowing us to be here. We thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you, God, again for bringing us here another Sunday morning, a Sunday, a day that we've never seen before, and a day we may never see again. But God, we pray that in our position right now, give us a heart, a desire to yet continue to give unto your kingdom, our tithes, our offering, our, in any such capacity, God, whatever you have blessed us to be a blessing, we pray that you will bless those who have to give and those that the moment may not have to give, we pray that you will continue to open their store baskets and I pray that God, their hearts desire, those who are watching, that will sow into this good ground at Christ Center Church, who's watching, whoever will be watching this now or at a later time, that will sow their good desires to the work of God. We pray your blessings on them and pray your blessings on the congregation in Jesus' mighty name. We'll all say amen and you'll follow the ushers as Minister Scarlet will minister unto us in Jesus' name.
Anybody feel Jesus this morning? I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. Yes, my soul does burn within me. I feel Jesus. Oh, God, you're in this place. You're in our hearts. You're working in this world.
exhausted every possible option. When you've tried everything. Jesus wants you to try him. He wants you to try him. He says, why don't you try me and I will prove to you. My soul says yes. My soul says yes. Does your soul says yes? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We surrender to you, oh great God. We're weak and we are without strength, but God, we put ourselves in your capable hands. For without you, we can do nothing. We have no strength of our own, Lord God. We have no strength of our own, Lord Jesus. It's only by your strength can we do anything, Lord God. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. You have been good to us, Lord. Better to us than we have been to you. Better to us than we're even ourselves. Don't turn your back on Jesus. He loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than anyone else loves you. And he can bring you through any situation or circumstance. January 6th. 7 p.m. This church is hosting a mental wellness and health seminar. That will be January 6th at 7 p.m. And then January 7th at 10 a.m. We really would like to see a good turnout because there's, there are many people that are battling, struggling with mental health. We're not well mentally. We're seeing a great residue of COVID in so many ways. And the number one residue we're seeing of COVID is our mental health has been challenged. We're suffering mental health-wise. And so my wife and some wonderful young ladies that are professional and equipped deal with mental health and wellness will be here those two days that evening of January 6th at 7 p.m. and that morning of January 7th at 10 a.m. and they will minister to us from a professional standpoint and also from the word of God. Mental wellness. So come out and be with us. We're looking forward to having them. The theme of this seminar 
for coming. We'll have our very own Rosalie Howard, Gloria Botto, and Shanika Brooks. They're all doing this in secular, uh, in the secular position, and um, they are Christian women, they're godly, and they have obtained the necessary education to be able to teach us and instruct us in mental health and wellness. January 6th at 7 p.m. and January 7th at 10 a.m. Also, just a quick announcement. Christmas Day, we're having one service, one church service Christmas Day, and that's our 1030 service. We will not have a 9 a.m. service. Please get the word out. And um, we hope to see everybody Christmas morning. We will not keep you long, but we just couldn't find a better day to celebrate Jesus than Christmas morning. Looking forward to being here. And also, we're having New Year's Eve this year falls on a Saturday. And so we will start our watch night service at 9 p.m. And we will end it at midnight. And we will meet back Sunday at 10 a.m., actually 10.30. But we will not have 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. church service on New Year's Day as well. We will have one service, New Year's Day, and that is the 10.30 service. And we wanted to just make sure we're being available. We are here for lost people and for the body of Christ. And we want to do whatever we can to be available to reach our world. If you will stand with me and turn to Genesis chapter 45, verse number 1. To our online congregation, we, we greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this church. Amen. And for you that are here, we're grateful to be together again one more time. God has been good to us. We mention our Christmas for Christ that we do every year. We give a special offering. Uh, we send it to the United Pentecostal Church in the national headquarters. We send it in every year, the offering that we collect just for this specific project. Because these monies that we give, they only go for one thing. They're not spent for anything else other than to help build churches, to help struggle in small churches. And as I mentioned earlier today, the church is the hope of the world. If we are not a part of the church, we're not going to make it to heaven. God says he's coming back for a church, not for individuals. Individuals make up the church, yes, but you must be a part of the body of Christ in order to be saved and to be preserved for the coming of the Lord. And so, when you give to Christmas for Christ, when you give your best gift to Christ, you're saying, Lord, I'm supporting the work you're doing in the earth. And so we want you to give. Our offering date is January the 1st. Now, you might still be in holiday mode January the 1st, so we will extend that if we will, if we need to. January the 8th. So get an offering envelope, 
whatever the amount is that you feel like God will have you to give. Um, and you can always bring that back with it from now till January 1st. And we will send it off to our headquarters and they'll disperse the money to churches like what we saw this morning. Amen. Genesis chapter 45, verse number one. The word of the Lord says, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live. And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years had the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be airing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he had made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 15 says, Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic, the sovereign God. The sovereign God. You may be seated. There are many descriptions that declares God's sovereignty. Descriptions like omnipresence, like omnipotence, and omniscience. God's sovereignty. There are a whole slew of descriptions that describes God's sovereignty, but omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience. They describe God's sovereignty. Those are just three words that describe his sovereignty. Omnipresence refers to the unlimited nature of God or his ability to be everywhere at all times. God is not like the manufactured idols of ancient cultures 
that were limited to one altar or temple area. God reveals himself in the Bible as the Lord who is everywhere. There is no escaping him. Wherever we go, there is. He is present in our innermost thoughts. Even as we are formed in the womb, there he is assuring purpose for our existence. His omnipotence refers to all the encompassing power of him. He is the all-powerful Lord who has created all things and sustained them by his word of his power. Omniscience refers to God's superior knowledge and wisdom, his power to know all things. God is the Lord who knows our thoughts from afar. He is acquainted with all our ways, knowing our words, even before they are on our tongues. He needs to consult no one for knowledge or understanding. God is sovereign. The Lord our God is sovereign. He has unlimited power and sovereign control over the affairs of nature and history and the world. He is the Lord of creation, the source of all things, who brought the world into existence, into being, and who guides the creation toward a meaningful end. God's creativity is not the result of chance or randomness. It holds promise and purpose which he intends. God's sovereignty is transcendent. It is beyond our complete comprehension. He goes beyond ordinary limits. There is no limitation to God. The Bible declares that God is working out his sovereign plan of redemption for the world and that the conclusion of it is certain. God is sovereign, church. God is sovereign. Do you understand that God is sovereign? He knows all things. He has all power. He is everywhere. There is no place you can go where God isn't. When we are doing things that's wrong and we do it in secret, God sees it. God, being one, should easily be understood when we understand his sovereignty. When people question how can Jesus be God, it's because they don't understand his sovereignty. Now that we understand God's sovereignty, we should accept and understand that he is only, or he's one, and that he's the only true and living God. Jesus is not the second person in the Trinity, but Jesus is the sovereign God Almighty manifest as man. He is not a separate 
identity, but he is the same God from the Old Testament who manifested himself in the New Testament. Preacher, how could that be? Because he's sovereign. How can the almighty God become man? Because he's sovereign. As a matter of fact, there's scripture that says in Matthew 19 and 26, with God, all things are possible. So it seems a little ridiculous to question how can God be one? How can in the beginning him be invisible, invisible to become invisible in the new time? How is that possible? Because he's sovereign. You've heard me said before, when people are having troubles, understanding that God is one, when, when, when they feel the need to make him uh, three persons in one, I feel like they have missed the mark in understanding his sovereignty. He doesn't have to be three. He's one God manifesting and demonstrating his power and his will. In the story of Joseph, we see God's sovereignty Fully on display. We get to see some of the characteristics of the sovereign God in Joseph. We see mercy. We see graciousness. We see forgiveness. We see acceptance and we see love demonstrated by Joseph. But those are the attributes of the almighty God. Joseph proved to us that no one can force us out of the will of God. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, if we don't obey God, if we're not doing God's will, it's not because somebody came against us. It's not because somebody got in the way. It's not because somebody did something to us. If we're not doing what God wants us to do, it's because we don't want to do it. Don't blame it on nobody else. Because none of us has gone through what Joseph went through. And Joseph never let anyone stop him from living for God. That's just one example. I have known people who became bitter because they lost a good job or a close family member or a prized possession or because they were mistreated. People have become bitter for a lot of different reasons. But can I say something to you this morning? Could this or could these events all be a part of the sovereign God's plan for your life? And you have treated it like disdain when it's really God working his plan in your life. And greater good will come out of your life because of the mistreatment that you have suffered. Because of someone that may have walked away from you. Because someone has mistreated you. Because you have been done wrong. Because you have lost things. All of those things, could they be a part of God's plan for your life so God can do something great in you and you are just detesting and being bitter about that situation that you've gone through, not realizing that that's God's plan. Even having suffered abuse in the past, as Joseph did, is no excuse for holding on to bitterness. Joseph's story is a roller coaster of favor, hurt, betrayal, rejection, redemption, disappointment, and forgiveness. Roller coaster. Favor from his daddy. 
hurt by his brother, betrayed by his brother, rejected by his brother. Redemption by the power of God because God had a plan for his life. Disappointment, but he forgave. I felt strongly about ministering this word this morning because as holiday season come closer, we always begin to reflect on things. I don't know what that, why that happens, but we tend to reflect when holiday season are come. We start, you know, thinking back and good and bad begins to come to our mind. And sometimes the good is, is great, but sometimes it seems like the bad lingers a lot longer and causes to go sink deeper into just depression or distress. And it just lingers a longer time than the good around the holiday season. But I'm here this morning to tell you that God wants you to be victorious. He does not want you to hold on to what has been done to you. He does not want you to hold on to being bitter. He does not want you to feel like you are depressed and to be downtrodden. God wants me to tell you this is a season of thriving and experiencing God working in your life like never before. This is a season of joy and peace and goodness and you need to look to God and not allow those disappointments Pointing things to get the best of you. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers when he was about 13 years old. For at least 13 years, Joseph lived in a foreign land serving a foreign master, not because he did something wrong, but because he was in the will of God. Joseph was in the will of God, was right where God wanted him to be. And you got people lying on him. You got brothers selling him in slavery. You got people uh, mistreating him. Potiphar's wife lying on him. He was going through the worst time of his life. But he was right dead smack in the middle of what God's will was for his life. Have we stopped to think about that? That what we may be dealing with, it may just be right in the middle of the will of God for us. That's what we're going through. That's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joseph's family was founded upon deception and competitive, competitive or rivalry, competitiveness or rivalry. That's how his family was established. All of our families was established all kind of ways. So the, the Bible is so good that it, it relates, make us relate to it and sometimes we overlook it and think it's just some bible story and it's not legit but i'm here to tell you the bible is actual life of people that is being written about it's not a made-up thing it's it's legit it's it's actually things that transpired and the way our joseph family got started some of our families may have got started that way how did joseph family get started through deception and competitiveness and rivalry by his father jacob If you know anything about Jacob, you know Jacob and his brother Esau was rivalries. Esau didn't seem to be into godly things, but Jacob seemed like he was. Jacob deceived his brother Esau and tried to take the birthright. 
Then Jacob went on and deceived his father so he can get the birthright. Then when his brother Esau decided, you tricked me and I'm going to kill you. As soon as our father die, I'm killing you. Jacob had to run away from his home and went to his uncle's house. And then he got to his uncle's house and saw a couple of his cousins. And the one of the cousins that he really liked, that he wanted to marry, he went to his uncle and said, I want to marry this of your, your daughter, which is my cousin. And so I will labor for you so I can get that girl. That's what he told his uncle. Uncle said, sure, no problem. And uncle let him work. And then when he worked and he says, it's time for the girl, uncle put on a wedding. Nice, big, lavish wedding. And he married who he thought was the cousin that he wanted. He woke up in the morning and realized it wasn't the right one. He went to his uncle uncle, and, and gave him a hard time and said, how could you do this to me? I told you who I wanted. And uncle said, well, you know, it's tradition to make sure the oldest daughter is married first, not the younger. So uncle slicked him out. But remember, he slicked out his dad and slicked out his brother. Deception. That's how, that's how he started living his life. So he started having kids with the oldest um, daughter, his, his, his cousin. So that's how his marriage started. So then he said, all right, I'll work seven more years so I can get the one that I really love. Dad said, all right, go ahead. I don't care. You married the oldest one first. That's what I wanted so you can get her. All kind of trickery went on. Bottom line is that's how all his kids came along. So no wonder it makes sense that all of Jacob's sons had a little bit of deceptiveness and a little bit of rivalry with them because that's kind of their daddy's genes. A lot of people, a lot of families kind of are like that. We're wondering, why is this? It just could be some things that transpired in our family. We don't know how our family got started. We don't know all the genealogy of our family and how did we get here and what our daddy was all about, our grandfather was all about. We only know what we saw, but we don't know what transpired in their life for them to get where they were. And so we have these tendencies that we don't even realize we have. We have these things going on in our life that we don't realize, but it's all because of who our daddy is and who our mama is and who are some of our relatives and some of those attributes, those characteristics are, are in our lives too. But if you will trust God and stay in God's will for your life, those things won't stop God's blessings in your life. Somebody say amen. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Joseph's dream and favoritism from his father, Jacob, is what compelled his brothers to sell him into slavery. Jealousy and envy will make people do the most ungodly things. I don't know what's worse, greed or jealousy and envy. I don't know. But those are some things, those are some characteristics and some traits that will destroy you. Jealousy, envy, greed will destroy you. God's plan to raise up Joseph to greatness and to save his people from the famine and death hinge on Joseph's family dynamics. I'm getting into what I'm getting ready to get into so you can get this today. If you don't get anything else that I preach, get what I'm saying. God is sovereign. He knew Joseph's brothers was about deception, competitiveness, 
rivalry. And God says, because of those dynamics, I'm going to implement a plan that will be successful because of those dynamics. When you're sovereign, which only God is sovereign, you know every move everybody will make. Can you imagine playing chess and you know every single move your opponent would make? Can you imagine doing anything in life and you know everything that will transpire so you know how to counteract because you already know what the person will do? Only God has that power, but God has that power. He knows your thoughts before you get them. So he knows what you will do before you even know what you will do. And so the family dynamics was interesting because that's what God would use to get his plan moving. His brother's envy and hatred and abuse and betrayal. Can you imagine God establish a plan that required envy, hatred, abuse, and betrayal for it to work? God says the plan is going to work because they walk around envious. They walk around with hatred. They walk around abusive, abusing people. They will betray people. And because of that, I'm going to institute a plan that will begin to move because of those things. Listen to me carefully. God will use your obedience to him to fulfill his plan and bless you. As Christians, that's really what should be happening. Our obedience to God. God will work in our lives so God's plan could be fulfilled in the earth. And in the interim, God will bless us. Because remember, I've always told you, according to the scripture, God owes no man nothing. God will never have you do something and never give you something for it. God will always reward you for what you do. And so anything you do for God, he will reward you. He will never ask you to do something. That's an attribute that we need to have as Christians, like our daddy. You should never ask somebody to do something for you and never reward them. Brother Long is helping us um, with church in the day. He's the head of church in the day, and he's going to help us remodel our building. And every time Brother Long come up, he loved to go to KC Prime because he loved their steaks, and I take him. And he says the other day, hey, bro, hey, bro, you don't have to take me there every time. I love those steaks, but you don't have to take me there every time. If I know he loves it, I'm taking him there every time. Because I appreciate him. I appreciate what he's doing. I appreciate his commitment and sacrifice to help us. And so I'm going to make sure he knows I appreciate him. In his opinion and in his mind, he's only doing his job as the leader of church in the day. He's only doing what he's supposed to do as the leader of church in the day. But I still said, Brother Long, you are just so committed and you're so true to what you say. And you go above and beyond. And I got to make sure you know we appreciate you. We cannot live our life taken and never show that we appreciate it by giving back. Can't live like that. Can't live like that. Got to always take care of people. And don't give people what you want. When he tells me some other place that he likes that's close by, I'll go there too. But as long as he tells me he likes something, that's where I'm going to take him to. I'm not trying to take him to no place. I, uh, you know, maybe I should go here because, you know, it might be a little bit less in money. Does he like that? 
my people. That's, that's how we have to live our life as Christians. Not give people what we think they should have. Give them what we think they like, what they want. That's what we should give them. Jesus said, if we do his will, he will give us the desires of our heart. Again, attributes of God that we need to mimic. So God will use our obedience to him to fulfill his plan and bless us. However, he will use your rebellion and disobedience to him to fulfill his plan just the same. Minus the blessing. So whether you are accepting and obedient to God or whether you are rebellious and disobedient to God, God will use you to fulfill his plan just the same. That's sovereignty. That's sovereignty. Whether you are obedient to God or disobedient to him, he will use you to fulfill his plan just the same. The only thing that needs to be talked about is what do you get out the deal? So if you are rebellious and disobedience, you get nothing out the deal. Matter of fact, you get cursed. But if you are submitted and obedient to God, not only that you get to feel the blessings of being used by God, but you get to be blessed of God. He will give you the desires of your heart. It's not even a choice to me. But yet still, we still struggle. Should we obey God? Should we follow after him? Should we do his will? The sovereignty of the Lord is what led Pharaoh to his demise. What do you mean by that, preacher? Pharaoh was greedy and hungry for power. Pharaoh was a control freak. Pharaoh was a ruler of people. Pharaoh was rebellious towards God. Pharaoh served idol gods. And God says, I'm going to try to get Pharaoh out of that. In case you didn't realize, the ten plagues that you read about that God brought on Egypt, that was his way of trying to open Pharaoh's eye to submit. That was grace that God was showing Pharaoh. That was mercy that God was showing Pharaoh. God knew Pharaoh was rebellious. God knew Pharaoh worshipped idols. God knew Pharaoh was a power-hungry person. And God was trying to get him out of that. So every time God does a miracle, Pharaoh's proper response should have been, you know what, these idols that I'm worshipping, These people and things that I'm calling God, they're not really God. This God is a true God. God was doing those things for Pharaoh to come to a place of repentance. But Pharaoh wouldn't budge. But it wasn't going to stop God's plan either. You see this? God's plan was never going to be stopped because Pharaoh decided he's not going to repent. God's plan won't stop because you decide you won't repent. God's plan will not stop because you decide I'm not going to church no more. God's plan won't stop because you decide I'm not praying, I'm not reading my Bible. God's plan will not stop. It continues to go, and it has an ending. We don't know when the ending is, 
But God's plan continues to go whether you do right or you don't do right. Whether you submit to it or you don't. God's plan will work continuously. And the day will come when God concludes everything. The plan doesn't stop because we decide, I'm not doing that. Because we decide, that's not for me. It continues to go. What the Lord's will is, his power carries out. So whatever God's will is, he is sovereign enough to make sure the plan is carried out and fulfilled. Nothing can stop the plan of God. When Joseph confronts his brothers after all the stuff that they did to him, that simple statement, I am Joseph, exploded like a thunderclap in their ears and brought terror to their hearts. All kinds of confused thoughts suddenly began to trouble them and, and, and begin to move in their minds. How could this Egyptian ruler know the name of our deceased brother is probably what they were thinking. Why is he claiming to be somebody that the brothers thought was dead, who was Joseph. But if he truly is Joseph, why has he been treating them this way? And what will he do to punish them for what they did to him? Can you imagine? Brothers or no brothers. They threw me in a pit and tortured me. They were going to kill me. And then one of the brothers out of the, all the brothers says, hold on, let's just sell him to slave traders. Let's not kill him. Just, just let's sell him to men who will go sell him as a slave in Egypt. And so they scrapped the plan of killing him, but they sold him so he can become a slave in Egypt. Your brothers did that to you. Revelation. Revelation. That was his blood brother. Don't let people in church get you all messed up. Don't, don't get bent out of shape because of people in church. Joseph's blood brothers tortured him, left him for dead, and then decided to sell him to slavery. His blood brothers. Church, don't let saints in the church get you all worked up. Don't let saints in the church get you all out of shape. Don't let saints of God in the church get you messed up because they're not even your blood brothers or blood sisters. And on top of it, what did I say? They could be used to bring forth the plan of God. Let me see if I can help you some more. Because God knows you are, not you specifically, but just anyone. Because God knows you are aggressive, he will use your aggression to bring forth something good for his plan. Because God knows our every move, he will use that move to fulfill his purpose in our life. So sometimes, sometimes, okay, here is one, Judas. Judas. The Lord knew Judas was a thief. And that's why he allowed him to be part of the 12, because the story, the plan that God had laid out was there was going to be a thief within the 12 disciples. So the bottom line was God like, all right, 
let him, let him be a part. So what he was and what he was going to be true to helped facilitate the plan of God. So look at what I'm trying to teach to you, preach to you, show you that regardless of what the characteristics, regardless of what the personality, regardless of what you got going in your life, God is still working in your life for his plan to be fulfilled. The question you have to ask yourself today is, am I going to fall on the right side or the wrong side of the plan when it's all fulfilled? That's the question you got to ask yourself. Because God is going to work in all of our lives according to all of our personalities for his will to be done. So the question is, where do you fall? What side of the plan do you fall when the plan is all concluded, all said and done? Where will you be? Will you be with God after it's all said and done? Will you be in his presence? Will you spend eternity with him? Will you be in heaven? Will you acquire eternal life? Or will you be miserable and tormented all the days of your life for all eternity? It's important to know that. How could this Egyptian ruler know the name of his brothers? They were worried, trying to figure everything out. Every mouth was stopped as they stood guilty before their judge. Joseph became the judge because of the elevation of his position. Be careful how you treat people. They might just be a nobody to you right now, but you have no idea what God will do in their life, and now you will have to face them and them being an authority over you. It's even right on your job. You've got to treat people right, no matter who they are. You've got to love them because God said to love them because you don't know where they're going to end up and what will they be to you at a later time. They stood before Joseph knowing they was guilty of sin. They knew what they did. Here is an example of us standing before the sovereign God who is also our judge and we are guilty as sin. We are no different than Joseph's brothers. No, Pastor, I'm not like that. Uh, you might have killed some people with your words. You might have cut somebody off and they ain't never talked to them no more since you cut them off. We are like Joseph's brothers. We're not like Joseph. Let's not go down here. Joseph is more like Jesus. We're more like his brothers. Don't want to swallow that pill, huh? But that's facts. We are more like the brothers. And we do the brothers' deeds in a different kind of way. And so here are the brothers standing before their brother, their younger brother. Because all of them were older than Joseph. Well, Benjamin came along, but... All of them that he was dealing they were all older, and now they're standing before him. That's what they, that's what they rejected when Joseph told them the dream. When Joseph said, y'all bow down before me. Joseph, they was mad. They didn't want to hear that. This little shrimp telling us we're going to bow before him. Look at this boy, get out of here. Slap him in his head. Go, go in the house with your dad, little girl. I'm sure that's what they did, Joseph. That's just how big brothers do. Get in the house, you little daddy's boy. Get out of here. Sure, that's what they did. And so when he told his dream, they was like, go sit down somewhere. 
He was still dreaming. But his dream was legit. Came from God. And here's the thing. And they were standing before their brother who they did wrong, treated wrong. And all he had to do was say the word and they would be wiped off. He was he was the rule at the time. And all he said went. Pharaoh trusted him with everything. All he had to say was, these Hebrew people, they are thieves. They are betrayers. They are evil. Kill them. They would be dead. Since Joseph could see his brother's mixed responses of fear and bewilderment, he encouraged them with his words that came from a loving and forgiving heart. Yes, they had done wrong and were guilty. Yet, he told them not to dwell on their sins, but on what God had done for all of them. God overruled the brother's hateful attitude and cruel actions and worked it all out for good. That's what transpired. I'm finishing up here. Joseph's words to his brothers in the Old Testament is the version of Matthew, I'm sorry, of Romans 8.28 that says, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's that scripture rolling back in the Old Testament days. That Joseph says, Don't you worry, brothers. What you did, you meant for evil, but God meant for good. What you did, you were just corrupting your thinking and in your heart, but you were a vessel, an instrument that God was working through, and here I am today to fulfill God's purpose. I'm no Joseph, but I can look back on my life and see some things I've gone through and realize it was all for me to be here today. I think you should be able to look at your life, too, and see some things that you've gone through and realize it's all that you would be here today. His brothers were responsible for his sufferings, but God used those sufferings to accomplish his divine purpose. Church, when will you make God's purpose more important than your purpose? When will you make God's purpose more important than your purpose? Because sometimes when I minister to you, I can tell you reject what I'm saying because it's God's purpose and not yours. And you want me to preach to you most of the times to fulfill your purpose. I can't do what you want. I can only do what God called me to do. And I can't keep preaching to you for you to say yes and for you to feel like, oh, yes. And that's what I want. I have to preach to you what is the truth. I have to preach to you the word of God. And the word of God is God's purpose must come before your purpose. God's purpose must come before your purpose. If it goes the other way around, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. God's purpose must come before your purpose. His brothers thought, look what we have done. And Joseph made it clear to them, yeah, you did some foul stuff. But it was all part of God's plan. If you find yourself struggling to forgive someone, here is what you should consider. If you're struggling with forgiveness, 
here's what you need to consider. What the person did to you to hurt you may be part of God's plan. What the person did to you to hurt you may be part of God's plan to be fulfilled in your life and bring glory to God. We can't just pop off at the mouth and get angry and frustrated and tell people off when people do things to us because we have not stopped to consider what if this is all part of God's plan working? So how they're treating me, what they're saying to me, how they're just abusing me, maybe that's just God's plan. And I just have to ask God for strength to deal with the situation. It's more important to pray for God to give you the strength and, and the toughness and, 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 and the stick to to his word to continue to Go forward as opposed to say, God, get me out of this situation. Because the situation is there to build some stuff up in you. The situation is there to form you and to make you into what God wants you to be. So let's not pray, God, get me up in the situ- out of the situation. And let's pray, God, if I'm in your will, give me the strength to endure. Give me the power to overcome as I continue to go forward. That the situation that I'm up against will not get me to focus on it. I don't want to focus on the situation. I want to focus on God, his plan. I want to focus on what God wants me to do, not on the situation. That's what we need to pray about. Not not God, uh, deliver me. Because what you're getting out of the situation is greater than deliverance. The deliverance will come. But God has given given you something. He's, He's empowering you to do something. Every person will face circumstances. Where forgiveness will be required. Every one of us. You know, I've always said to you, don't take your situation so personal like you're the only one. You're not the only one. Your situation is not the worst. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. But so is it for many others. Every person will face circumstances where forgiveness will be required. God's word reminds us that blessed are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Keeping the peace means trying to ignore the pain and hurt and hoping no one will stir it up again and make you feel bad again. Making peace means confronting the situation and granting forgiveness. Haven't you seen that? You don't want to go and deal with the whole forgiveness thing, so you just kind of ignore it because I just want to keep the peace. Well, that don't help because sooner or later somebody will bring a topic up, a subject up, somebody will say a word, and it will stir back up that whole situation again and make you bitter all over again, make you mad all over again. So the best thing to do is to confront it, make peace with it. Confront it and say, I forgive you or or ask somebody to forgive you, whatever you got to do. But don't let it just sit out there and think, oh, it'll go away. And as long as nobody say anything to me, I'm good. The story of Joseph and his brothers encourages us to recognize the sovereignty of God in the affairs of life and to trust his promises to No matter how dark the day may be, there are many plans in man's heart. Nevertheless, it is the Lord's counsel that will stand. God sent Joseph to Egypt so that Jacob's family could be preserved and the nation of Israel born and ultimately be a conduit for his word. 
without realizing it, Joseph's brothers were helping the Lord fulfill his covenant with Abraham. You don't know what God is doing, how he's working. So you need to just let all things work together for good. You need to just take it all in stride, pray about it, and see what God is saying to you about it before you just respond in anger or in rage or in whatever way you may respond that is ungodly. The justice of Calvary is another scenario that demonstrated God's sovereignty. Calvary was not an injustice. Calvary was justice. How can you say that, preacher? Because Jesus had to go to the cross to take care of the sins of the people he created. Calvary, you can look at it for so many things. Calvary could be looked at as a court case being settled. We were heading for destruction. Our sin was going to destroy us. And God realized that if he didn't create us, sin wouldn't be in the world. And so guess what he did? He said, the only way to justify this, the only way to settle this matter is that I take on their sins. I take the responsibility for their sins. And God went to Calvary, justice, and took the responsibility for the sins of humans. Not that he sinned, but he took the responsibility. What do you mean by that? We sin, not him. Yes. But as I said, and I've said it many times, when our underage children do wrong, the parents have to get it straightened out. That's what God did for us. We did wrong, but we didn't know what we did. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We were doing wrong. We didn't know what we did. And so God, being the God that he is, sovereign and all-powerful, you know what he said? Let me handle this matter. And that's why Calvary happened. What if Jesus decided not to allow them to treat him unfairly or hurt him? What if he had decided not to forgive them? What if he became angry and upset because of how he was being treated and decided he wasn't going to accept, accept that kind of treatment and he retaliated? What if Jesus retaliated? Like so many of us retaliated when people did us wrong and we thought they're not right. Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do. I said this the other day, and I don't have much more time. I'm finishing up here. I said this the other day to someone I was talking to. How can Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do when they killed him, they crucified him? How do you work that in your brain that someone committed murder, but they don't know what they're doing? Have you ever thought about that? So Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But Jesus, how can somebody not know they're lying on somebody innocent, and now they're killing somebody that's innocent? How can they not know that, Jesus? Well, what they didn't know was he was God Almighty who came in the flesh to die for their sins. They didn't know that. They didn't understand that. And so... When we think, I guess is what I'm saying to you, when you think, when we think that somebody is deliberately doing something to us and they know they're doing it, you better reconsider that. Because you don't know from what perspective that they're doing what they're doing to you. You have no clue. 
You don't know what's going on. And so to, to, to right away take the position of, oh, no, I'm not having it because they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. A blind person could see that this is wrong. They know what they're doing. And so you retaliate. And you never did what your father told you to do. Forgive them for they know not what they do. It's not about the act that they are doing that they know it's wrong. It goes deeper than that. And that's what God is trying to get us to understand. When he said forgive them for they know not what they do, it goes deeper than just the surface of what you're seeing. People are doing things not because of the surface of what you see. Why do you think somebody commit murder? Why do you think somebody steals? Why do you think somebody slaughters somebody's character? Why, why do you think people do things? What do you think is just, just because? It's not just because there's some undercurrent stuff going on. There's some stuff working deep down in people's heart. Why they do the things that they do. That's what Jesus sees. Nobody knows the heart except for God. So when he says you don't know what you are doing, he knows exactly what he's saying because he realized not even us knows our heart. We're doing things that we don't understand sometimes. We don't realize this is why we have a mental health wellness uh, January 6th, because we don't realize that there's we've been affected in so many ways emotionally and mentally that we're carrying out actions that uh, don't make a lot of sense. But we don't realize there may be trauma that we had experienced. There may be hurt that we've experienced. There may be betrayal that we've experienced back in the day or not long ago. And it's coming up to the surface and we're doing actions that we don't even know why we're doing them. But it's because of something that we might may, may have experienced a long time ago or even recently only God can deal with those things this is why we got to be in the house of God this is why we got to realize when we come to this house of God this is not about anyone else can I get that in your mind church when you come in here this is not about anyone else this is between you and your God this is what he has instituted for you and him to commune as a body this is about you and him you get in this place, you got to get locked in and say, God, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to touch you. I'm here to receive instructions and carry them out. I'm here to be delivered. I'm here to be purged. I'm here to be set free. This is between you and him when you come. It's not about anything else. I love the singing, and that's great. The singing is supposed to help you get into God's presence. I love you all. I love to hug your neck. I love to shake your hand. But guess what i'm still here because i want to connect with jesus i'm still here because i want the instructions of god i'm still here because i want to connect with him that's why we're supposed to be here church that's why we're here we're not here for all the other reasons that we've made it out to because when we come for those reasons it easily get lost in where we are what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be all the mistreatments you have received, the struggles you have been through, the pain you have experienced, the broken heart you have suffered or the brokenness you have suffered was all a part of the sovereign God's master plan. I know none of you have ever thought about this and you don't want to think of it because we like to, we don't, we don't want to think about this kind of unselfish behavior. But Brother Tom, sometimes... God allow you to experience some things that you can go and minister to people that have experienced the same thing. Because nobody want to hear from you if you didn't go through what they went through. 
Nobody don't want to hear nothing. You can tell them all you want to tell them, this and that and all of those things. You can tell them all that you want to tell them. If you didn't experience what they experienced, you are unqualified in their mind. You are unqualified to say anything to them. So if God knows that's how we operate, what do you think he's going to do? If God knows we're quick to say people are unqualified to speak into our life because they don't know what we've been through. If that's how we work, what do you think God is going to do? What he does, allow innocent people that didn't do something and have to go through something. So the day will come now when you can go and sit down with somebody and says, I know you're hurting about this. I went through that same situation and here's how God helped me through it. They will listen to you. They will hear what you got to say because you went through the same thing. That qualified you to speak into their life. This is why they say the greater the anointing, the more problems you go through. I learned a little bit. I didn't know what God was calling me to do. I went through a lot of stuff that time. I have experienced a lot of stuff. And so when I sit down to counsel anybody in this church, I've got a lot that I can offer because I've been through a whole lot of stuff. I've done a whole lot of stuff. God has seen me through a whole lot of stuff. God has revealed himself to me in so many different ways because of all the stuff that I've dealt with. So when God has great anointing for you, when God has great plans for you, you're going to go through some stuff. Not because you did anything wrong, not because God don't love you, but because God is positioning you to help others. I'm finishing here. Listen to me. All the stuff that you've been through. You are getting ready to be elevated, church, into a glorious new season in Christ. I'm not preaching this to you just to preach it to you. God is up to something. And you are getting ready to be elevated into a glorious new season in Christ. All your experiences. Oh, God, it, it was teaching you. It was equipping you. So when God bless you with a glorious blessing, that you will know how to handle it. It's one thing for God to elevate you. It's another thing that when he elevates you, you know how to handle it. And God is preparing us. I know Joseph is different, but he handled it well. When Joseph got to that position of governor over all of Egypt, he handled it well. We didn't read anything about Joseph being braggadocious. We didn't read anything about him being prideful. He handled it well. And I'm sure the reason why he handled it well, because he remembered when he was a slave. When Potiphar said, boy, go rake up the leaves. Boy, go clean my shower and call him boy, too. He remembered those days. He remembered when Potiphar's wife lied on him and he got thrown in jail. He remembered when he was in the jail and was mistreated. He remembered all those things. So when he got elevated, he couldn't do anything but to humble himself as he lead that country to overcome the seven years of famine. He didn't have any choice but to be humble because of all that he's gone through. God cannot entrust us with great things unless we're going to receive it in humility and do it with a right spirit and a right attitude. 
God wants to elevate you into a glorious position in him. But all that you've been through is supposed to be a teacher to get you to handle it when you get through it. Let's stand. The sovereign God. He loves you. He cares about you deeply. As much as his plan is in action and his plan will be fulfilled and his plan is in motion, as much as all of that is going on, understand this. He wants you to be included in his plans where you will soar, where you will thrive, where you will experience what he has in store for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God wants to give you an expected glorious end. God wants to do something great in your life. But he doesn't want you to be bitter. He doesn't want you to allow what you've gone through to get in the way of what he wants to do. He just wants you to respond in faith, trusting him, following him, obeying him, knowing that whatever God is doing, it will just be all right. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your grace. There is none like you. You're so wonderful. You're so kind. Somebody humble yourself before the Lord. Somebody needs to repent of their sins because you realize that it wasn't even about the individual that did you wrong. It wasn't even about the person who mistreated you. It wasn't about the person that betrayed you. God allowed it because God is establishing some things in your life. And so I need you to just ask God to forgive you for the way you have behaved. Ask God to forgive you for how you have responded. Hear me, somebody online. Hear me, somebody online. This is for you. Ask God to forgive you for the way you have responded to some mistreatment, to some hurt, to some abuse. Respond to God today and say, forgive me, Lord, for retaliation. Forgive me, Lord, for the speech that I projected because of what I believe someone had done to me. Ask God to forgive you today. Ask God to create you a clean heart. Ask God to give you a right spirit. Ask God to guide you by his word and his spirit. Ask God to help you to put your eyes on him and not look at the situation. Oh, your help coming from the Lord, church. God is getting ready to put you in a place where you've never been. But you have to trust him. You have to settle and just say, God, your will, not my will, be done. Father, we thank you for your word today. Oh, God, as we end our service, we bring it to a conclusion today, Lord. We pray that your will be done that you will rule and reign in our life in a special way. And that, Lord God, the things that we have held on to, we will let them go. That, Lord, today we will look to you, the 
sovereign God like we've never done and realize there's nothing too hard for you and realize that you're all-powerful and realize that you're present everywhere and realize, Lord God, that you know everything and realize, Lord, that you have all things under control. (laughs) Somebody make a choice to live for God today. Make a choice to be faithful to God today. Make a choice to say, God, from this day on, I'm going to commit my ways to you like I've never committed my ways. I'm going to serve you like I've never served you. I'm going to live for you like I've never lived for you. I'm going to obey your word like I've never obeyed your word. From this day on, Lord God, whatever you're commanding me to do, I will do. For you have my best interests at hand. Oh, God. I feel the presence of God. Church, God has just visited us today to help us today. Our church services won't always go the way we project them to go. Because this is not our church. The church belongs to God. He established it. Oh, he is the one that sets all things in order in this church. Our responsibility is to humble ourselves and to trust him to guide us and lead us and to be obedient. Lord, I pray that you'll bless your people today. I pray that you will keep them. I pray that as they go deeper into the holiday season, that the grace and glory of God will be in their life. And that they will walk by faith and will exalt you and live for you. Oh, God, bless their goings and their comings. I pray for health and strength in their life, in their family's life, and that the glory of the Lord will fill their homes. Oh, God, have your way. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. For those, Lord God, that wanted to be here today and they didn't make it, I pray, Lord, that your will be done in their life. Bring them back into the house of God where they can hear from you where the presence of God will be upon them. We thank and praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. Don't forget to get envelopes from off the tree if you haven't gotten one before you go today. Get an envelope and bring it back January 1st or January 8th at the latest.